to the one who makes us who we are. And uh, prayer is um, that area that we need to continue to raise that bar. And so uh, uh, this past week, um, went out to the mailbox and uh, did not get it. Well, I got bills, but that's neither here nor there. Um, got a little envelope in there, and, uh, and it's from Georgia. And so I opened it up, and inside was uh, a card. And uh, this is to, and so I read the card, and I'm reading it to you. Dear Zion of Jefferson County, Morvin Baptist Church prays for this church congregation and leaders. Heavenly Father, we pray you have and blessings to be felt by all. God, may your mercy and grace be an encouragement daily. May your light shine through this church. Praying in Jesus' name, and then it gives about 10 to 15 people. And so, anybody know where Morvin Baptist Church is? Morvin is in Georgia. Okay? So, uh, and so, just an encouragement that there's another church that we're part of, uh, the bigger body of Christ. And uh, they were praying for us, and they communicated that. And so I just wanted to, uh, to pass that along. And um, as, isn't that an encouragement? Aren't you encouraged? See, you already got your money's worth. Not that you're paying to be here anyway. So, um, uh, but, so we've been in First uh, Timothy. We're going to finish it up uh, this morning um, in here. And so we've been talking about the household of God, um, that God's focus is the people of God, and what distinguishes us um, is Jesus Christ. Uh, our, our message, he, he's changed our life. He is our common denominator. The reason why we gather together is because of Jesus Christ, what he has done for us. And, um, and so our focus together um, is relationships. And we're going to see that as we finish this, uh, these last two chapters um, in 1 Timothy. Um, but... God didn't just plant the household of God, the church, in a community so that we could be an island, so that we could, you know, put our moat down every Sunday morning, let's walk in, let's close it up. God wants us, our relationship with God is important, our relationship with one another as believers is important, but also our relationship to the community that we live in is important. It's vital. That last song that we sang, that we, we live in a lost world. People that need to know Jesus Christ. They need to see a witness. They need to see believers living out the truth of the gospel every single day. And we should be on mission every second of the day. That's what God wants more than anything, that, that He's the reason we go to work every, every day. He's the reason that we, whatever we do, fill in the blank. And so the arm, you know, the church has arms and tentacles and relationship to the community. And so one of the things I wanted to do this morning is take a, 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 mo, a couple moments, and our prayer focus is going to be around um, outreach, you know, and what are those outreaches that you as the body, as the believers in Christ, are involved with, okay? Now, this morning, you know, I just want to clarify here. Um, being involved in, in, in your workplace is great, and that's, we're, we're not emphasizing that here this morning. Well, what I want to do is emphasize, or what we want to do is, 
you know, highlight and pray for those organized outreaches, those organizations that um, have put their, uh, you know, stake in the sand and say, hey, we, we want to, in an organized way, reach out for Christ. Um, and so, and, and what I would like you to, to do, those of you who are involved in these um, uh, ministries, these, or, these outreaches, I'm going to have you stand up. I didn't give you a prep here. You don't have to worry. All you're going to have to do is say your name and what organization you're uh, part of. And, and there's, a, there's a lot of you. And I said, this is, part of this is to say, this is, this is the work of God that he has moved in our hearts to be involved in places in the community here, okay? And so I'll give you a couple examples, and then I'm just going to have you uh, stand up. Good News Club, Truth in Nature, Women at the Well, Food Pantry, CR, Jail Ministry. Those are some. Go ahead and stand up if you are part of these ministries, these outreaches, okay? And so here's what I'd like you to do. I'd like to just, we'll, we'll start with Sarah and just go around and say your name and what outreach ministry you're a part of. And say it pretty loud. I wasn't going to, we're not going to get the microphone, so project a little bit louder than you normally would, okay? Stay standing. Yeah, I want you to stay standing. We're going we're gonna to keep going. So uh, isn't that an encouragement? You know, I think we just need to be reminded in a, in a, in a public way that, hey, we, we are on a regular basis reaching out to the community. And, uh, and so uh, go ahead and stay standing, and uh, I'm going to pray, um, spend a few minutes praying. Um, and again, I'm going to, some of the, the prayer things are going to come out of 1 Timothy, the words that he shared um, here. And so let's just, uh, let's go to uh, the Lord in prayer. For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. And Father, we just thank you so much that you gave your life as a ransom. And God, I pray for each person here standing, Lord, in the and the outreach ministry that they're involved in, the role that they're playing. Lord, to, to help raise Jesus Christ, to see his glory, to see his work seen in, in various ways, Lord. But God, at the end of the day, it is all to help, to help lost people, spiritually dead people. God, they might be good, they might, you know, not be doing horrible things, but at the end of the day, if they don't know Christ, they are dead in their sin. And so, God, I just pray for each of these servants, Lord, in the, in the, the place where they're serving, God, that their walk with you would be vibrant, 
their dependence on you would be great, that they wouldn't just serve in their own strength. God, that you would help them to know you more intimately. God, the people that they're coming in contact with, Lord, I'm sure there's opposition. I'm sure there's times that they feel like quitting because it isn't going the way they're praying or the way that they want. And so, Father, I pray for their faith and their trust in you, that they wouldn't listen to the voices that are saying, get out and leave, but they will listen to your steadfast love. God, I thank you that you are a pursuer of people. And God, you use, you use redeemed people to reach people. And so, Father, I thank you for each and every one of these individuals. God, I pray for these words, that if anyone teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching that accords with godliness, God, I, I pray for that the, the teaching would be about you. And God, whether that's a formal teaching of a good news club or whether that's relationships that just looking for the opportunity to bring you, Jesus, into the relationship, that you are the hope that you offer life. And so, God, I just, uh, we, we, we just thank you, Lord. And God, I pray that you would continue to raise up, that you would burden our hearts, Lord, for the lost. God, that we would recognize that we have the answer to the most significant problem and issue in this world. And Father, that you would grow us as a church to be willing to talk about the name of Jesus Christ. To do that with grace, but to also do that with truth. So Father, continue to increase us, Lord Zion, that we would have a heart for the lost. That we would be willing to sacrifice God. God, that we would sacrifice our comfort. That's where it starts. That we would put ourselves out there, God. And God, when we are made fun of or rejected, God, that we would recognize that it's for your glory. So, Father, we pray for the community, that there would be a harvest of righteousness. God, that we would see lost kids, that we would see lost uh, men and women that are incarcerated. God, fill in the blank, Lord, that we would see people in this community cross the line of faith in Jesus Christ. And their life would be changed forever and ever and ever they would be eternally grateful for the sacrifice made. So God, help us. God, open our eyes to see, God, where you want us to be. Help us be willing to adjust. Help us to be willing, God, 
to follow you in faith and obedience so that your glory would be seen. God, we thank you for all of these things. We love you and we praise you. And in your name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Go ahead and grab a seat. So in talking about prayer, one of the things uh, we want to do is also share answers to prayer. I'm going to ask uh, Dave to come on up here. And uh, Dave was already in the jail this morning. I bent his, twisted his arm this week and said, hey, would you come and share a little bit of your story um, just from the last uh, couple of months? Um, a number of you have been praying for Dave, and um, uh, he's had... Uh, um, bladder cancer, right? I'm going to give you, we'll give you this microphone. And so uh, we've been praying for him, and uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, well, let's start. Give us a little bit of context. Not everybody knows you. You're usually not here because you're in jail while we're here. Give us a little context of uh, this bladder cancer for you. Well, um, I've had uh, tongue cancer before, too, and uh, the Lord healed me in that. I think just, just keep talking. He'll okay. turn it on. Anyhow, uh, I had that at one time and uh, also had bladder cancer here lately. Well, actually in 2017, I started with uh, me and another guy was in Korea up on the DMZ in Agent Orange. We both came back um, in 2017. We both came down with bladder cancer at the same time. So sort of tells you where it comes he uh, passed away three years ago from cancer, and I've been dealing with it ever since. Uh, that's uh, since 2017, probably. And, uh, you know, I was in and out of the hospital. Every time I go to the hospital, you know, I get witness to people. Uh, Belinda, I, I, I don't see her. Oh, is she? Yeah, sure. Well, you can ask her. I didn't even know who she was. She was <laughs> I didn't even know who she was. She came in there one day, first nurse came in when I was up in Brookville here, and I seen she really looked sad and down. And uh, I started talking to her about the Lord, you know. And ever ever since I seen her since, she has a big smile. But anyhow, when I go to the hospital, you know, our income is the Lord's uh, ability to use us. And, uh, you know, since I've been in the uh, jail ministry, I've had uh, two broken legs, cancer twice, and a bad case of these worms. I don't know what they were. Uh, that was the darkest part of my life, worms. But, uh, anyhow, it just seems like the Lord just uses everything to get me to somebody, you know, no matter what it is. I love witnessing. I can witness anybody. I don't care how they take it. One day, don't know that somebody said something. So, uh, and that's, you know, I get in front of a couple scared of <laughs> I get in front of a bunch of criminals. I'm up on So, but uh, anyhow, uh, I'm not a good speaker. In the jail, it just seems like the Holy Spirit takes over. 
you know, and just let them. And, uh, but with this bladder cancer the last time, uh, I had this Pentecostal guy always telling me, he's a good friend of mine, always telling me God wants everybody healed. And I said, well, if you wanted everybody healed, there wouldn't even want to be any more deaths. looking at that person or whatever, you know, instead of the Lord. And uh, so I, I went down and had a uh, test down in uh, Pittsburgh, and uh, they, they go up in there and they look at me, something, something looked like cancer in there, and they do a urine test and they tell you you have cancer cells. And he said he had to go in there and take it out, so I think it was a week later or so. I had to go back, and uh, the night before I went back, I went to the Lord, and I just believed. I said, you know, you do whatever you want to do. You know, just, I, I don't really care. Uh, if you want to kill me, kill me. If you don't, leave the cancer in there. But I need to glorify you more. You know, it didn't really matter, and he knew my heart. And, uh, you know, you know, because how do you know whether he wants you to heal or not? Because you don't heal everything. You take some people home, you know, and it didn't matter. But, you know, he always knows I want to be prepared. You know, that's from the heart. You know. So, anyhow, we go to the Pittsburgh hospital and he takes that out. And he said it be a couple weeks. We're on our way to Maine, and uh, he calls me, and he says, I really don't understand this. He says, but that stuff I took out of was no cancer. And he said, uh, I couldn't find any cancer in the in room or uh, what they took out. And I said, and you know, the pain's going too. And uh, he says, well, I didn't know you had pain. I said, well, that's what started me going to the doctor with the pain. And uh, I, I evidently didn't tell him that I always had pain. I could tell it was there, and it's gone. So did he heal me? In 30 days, I'll go back, you know, to see, you know, we we'll look in there again, see what's going on. But, you know, did he heal me? I don't know. We'll leave that up to him. You know. But if he didn't, I'll get it back or something. sitting there a little while later, a guy comes from across the road over and starts talking to me, you know. It, it just seems like if you're really willing to witness, you know, you'll send them to no matter what. So uh, it's just amazing. So 
Uh, you know, that's my gift. And uh, like I said, you got to give yourself to the Lord totally. You know, and, uh, and maybe you'll get some broken legs and cancer and stuff like that. <laughs> Don't sound like a very good pep speech. But, <laughs> but it, anyhow, uh, you, you want to be used where you Thank you. Thanks, Steve. And he says he's not a good speaker. He is unaware. Turn in your Bible to uh, 1 Timothy chapter 5. 1 Timothy chapter 5. Yeah, and in a sense, as uh, Dave was sharing, that's what I appreciate. I mean, we went over to get a tool from him. Andrew, he's our tool resource that when Andrew needs something, and we're in his garage, and he's just telling, talking about what the Lord is doing in his life. And I, I appreciate his attitude of, God, whatever you want to do through my life. If you want to heal me, you are more than capable. But if you would rather, and you could be more glorified by not healing me, you know better than I do. And uh, we need to hear that heart. That's what God wants to do through all of us. Um, and in a sense, you know, that's what, you know, this fall, you know, this experiencing God study, that's really, Dave just kind of shared it in a sense, that we would be willing to listen and, and, and move wherever God is moving. And he's going to move us in places we would not go by ourselves. Or else we wouldn't need him. And so that's the prayer as we look at the fall, that God, that we would be in tune with you, that we would be listening to your voice, and that we would be willing to, to do what you're asking us to do. Because it's in that moment that we do what God asked us to do. That's when we see God for who he is. When we act, when we obey, when we take a step. And it's always scary, right? It's scary. But that makes us cling to the Lord even more. And, uh, and so um, I would encourage you to continue to pray, um, you know, for uh, just us as a church, that we would have a heart, an openness, that we would be willing to follow, that we would have a soft heart, and uh, that we would be willing to adjust and go where God's asking us to go, whatever that looks like. You know, it's not always big things. Sometimes it's the person in the cubicle next to you at work. Uh, I got to talk to them. God's saying, go, go. You will never, ever be disappointed. You might be scared out of your wits, but you will never be disappointed to follow and obey God. Never. And never be disappointed. So we're going to finish up here, God's household. And again, I think that's, uh, you know, even this morning, just good to hear. You know, usually when we're in church, Dave's in the jail or Tim's in the jail, um, you know, uh, ministering uh, to, to people. And so just good for the body uh, to hear from one another. And so uh, when you look around the room, go ahead and look around the room. And uh, when you look around the room, um, at your spiritual family, uh, who is older than you? 
Who is older than you? I didn't say who is the oldest. Because there is one oldest person. I'm not sure who the oldest. We're, we're not, it doesn't matter. That's not the issue. Because that's only one person. Who is older than you? Okay? Because in a sense, this, these beginning verses, Paul is writing to Timothy, who is a young pastor. And this young pastor had to deal with some very significant issues that were going on in the church. And so Paul is writing to tell this young pastor how he should relate to older men and older women. And again, it's relevant to all of us because every one of us in this room has someone older than us. And so how do we relate with those who are older? And so uh, let's see here in verse 1 and 2. He says, Do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father. Younger men as brothers. Older women as mothers. And younger women as sisters in all purity. And so he's telling us in these two little verses, he's telling us how we need to relate with one another in the household of God, in the church, in the, in the family of God. Because we have people that are older than us, we have people that are younger than us, no matter what your age is. And so he says to Timothy, do not rebuke an older man. Now here's where the, the, the challenge is. You know, so you can you look at that and say, well, if you're young, you can't ever tell someone older that they're doing something wrong. That's not what he's saying, okay? In fact, we could, you know, if we had time, we could go to other verses where he's saying, hey, rebuke someone. We're not going to do that. But this word here is for rebuke. In our English Bible says rebuke. The Greek word, and I'm not going to tell you what it is. I don't even know what it is. I didn't write it in my notes. It doesn't matter. Uh, but it's the only place it's used here in the New Testament. And it doesn't, it does not mean you shouldn't confront someone for doing something wrong. That's not what it means. What it really means is literally it's don't strike against. You who are younger, don't go strike against someone who is older. Or in other words, put another way, don't go verbally bash them because they're maybe doing something that they shouldn't be doing. You should talk with them about the truth in a respectful and in an honoring way. Because the truth is, don't, don't we all need rebuke at some point? The only way you don't need rebuke is if you're perfect. Anybody in here perfect? You're either asleep or you're being honest. And so he's saying here, Treat an older man with respect because he has life experience that you don't have. And so when you talk to him about something that you need to talk to him about, and that's part of spiritual leadership. It's talking about hard things. Why do you think a lot of times people are like, well, I don't want to do that. But it's not just for the person up front, it's for all of us. It's what he says here. If you're Younger men as brothers. You know, what do brothers do? 
do brother, brothers hold back from the truth? Uh-uh. In fact, they're too brutally honest sometimes. They need to be a little more kind. And so that's what he's saying here. In our relationships with one another, we need to treat one another. And even, you know, he talks here, he says the older women, and I'm sure Timothy had older ladies in that congregation that were coming up to him and saying, now, Timmy boy, you know, being motherly to him. And out of care, they were caring for him. And so Paul is writing here to encourage, how does the household of God function? How do we relate together? Are we attractive to the world? Are we different than the world? Or do we do just what everybody else does except we throw Christian words around it? Or are we attractive? Because there's an authenticity. Because we love each other enough to say, you know what? You might not like me if I tell you this, and I hope I'm doing it with the right heart, but I love you enough to say, fill in the blank. Fill in the blank. A house that is led by Jesus Christ will do that. You can't follow Christ and not be truthful and honest with the people around you. And be gracious. And that's the key. And that's what, that's what he's saying here to Timothy. You talk to that older man as, as you would your father. You would never get up in your father's face. You would never put your you would never do that because you respect him and honor him for who he is. And so that's how you relate to those that are older. And that's what Paul is telling Timothy. He goes on and he spends a whole section in here talking about widows. And so what is he? And again, all these are aspects of relationships. Relationship with older members, relationship with widows and you know, the idea here is every church is going to have people that are hurting, you know, and again, think about the first century. They didn't have social security. They didn't have systems by the government. When someone lost their husband, who's going to help them? And so Paul makes it abundantly clear. He makes it very clear to them. Where does helping the older widows, and he talks to older widows, and he talks to younger widows, and, uh, and so what does he say here? The, the responsibility to care for widows begins with your relatives, begins with your family. Because the church can't fund all of the needs that are out there. It's impossible. We can't do it. Look in verse 8, he says, But if anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for members of his household, he is denied the faith, faith and is worse than an unbeliever. So anybody who ever says that our faith isn't relevant by what we do, it is very relevant. Because of Christ in our life, we care for our family. We take care of them. We do the best that we can. We sacrifice. Just like your mom and dad sacrificed for you when you were younger. We'll never know what they did. We need to sacrifice. And that's part of our faith, is a willingness to do that. And so he talks here about older widows and treat them in a, in a, in a different way and younger wi widows as well. And part of what he's saying here to the younger widows, hey, younger widows, 
Look down at verse 13. It's a warning, he says. Besides, they learn to be idlers, going about from house to house, and not only idlers, but also gossips and busybodies, saying that they, what, what they should not. So I would have younger wid- widows marry, bear children, manage their household, and give the adversary no occasion for slander. What he's saying, the encouragement here is, hey, if you're a young person and you're a widow, you need to be working. Otherwise, if you don't work, you're going to find yourself doing things that are, un- that are not constructive. And you need to be responsible. And so he's saying, you need to tell the, the, the younger widows to be responsible. We'll come alongside and walk with you, but you need to be responsible. And so he gives a lot more detail there. I encourage you, you know, all these things this week, I would encourage you to go back and read uh, back through there. And so he's talking to those who are older, those who are younger, those, the widows, the, the have-nots. Now he's going to talk to another group of people, the elders, the spiritual leaders, those who are in the position of leadership within the church. And he's going to tell us how to relate with them. A couple weeks ago, Derek, uh, when we were going back and forth with the passage, he's like, I'll take your passage. You know, I don't want to talk about the women's stuff. And, and I'm like, well, do you think I want to talk about you should pay your elders well? You think I want to talk about that? That's a little awkward. So, uh, but it's all right. So, so verse 17, he's talking here about the elders. Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor. And he's talking here about finances. He's talking about paying them because that's what the context shows. Especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. He gives a scripture passage here. There's a quote here that he's giving from Jesus. You can go back and look at it later. Luke chapter uh, 10 or uh, Matthew chapter 10. He's, he's quoting here from Jesus. For the scripture says, you n- must not muzzle, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain. Meaning that if the ox is working to tread the grain, let him eat. Let him get nourished. You would do that with your ox. And so the person who is your spiritual leader, your responsibility, if they're focused full-time, is to pay them well. Pay them well. And I will say to you, Zion, you, you do that. You, our family, we have never been without a need, ever. So I want to commend you that you have taken care of us. I even want to go back and never had any opportunity to share this story, but about uh, 10 years ago when Zion went through some financial uh, issues, you know, we went through a church split and, um, you know, finances were hard. And uh, we came to the place where um, the pastor's salaries had to be cut. Like there was no other place to go. And about 10% was, uh, was we had a salary reduction um, during that time. And so, you know, we're faith-filled. Hey, God, it's your job to provide your job to take care of us? Um, and I don't remember the time frame, but a, a few months later, um, we were getting ready to, our family, our kids were a lot younger, we were getting ready to leave for, for Christmas, um, and uh, we were getting all the kids in the van, and I went and, and uh, had to get something out of our other car, and there was an envelope on the front seat of the car. I'm like, that's weird. I know I didn't leave that there. And I opened the envelope, and inside was a lot of money, a lot of money. 
And when I counted up all the money, it was pretty much the 10% difference. And so I say that to command. I have no idea who put it in there. I don't know who was in my garage when they shouldn't have been. Doesn't matter. My point is, and I just want to commend, you have been faithful to take care of us. God provided. And so that's exactly what he's talking about here, of taking care um, of, of one another. And so he, he goes on. I mean, even in this, you know, what, what do you do about, um, you know, if someone raises a charge, verse 19, do not admit a charge against an elder except on the evidence of two or three witnesses. So what's he talking about, someone here? Someone who makes an accusation. So there's a right way to receive accusations. You don't just take someone's word. You can go back to the law. You can, you know, figure this out more. But he's saying, you know, and again, that doesn't mean we don't, you know, we listen to accusations, but they need to be substantiated by having two or three witnesses. And we don't just entertain everything that someone says about an elder, someone who's in spiritual leadership. It's the right way to do it. And then after this, look at the next verse. As for those who persist in sin, so he's talking here about, what about an elder who is, who is living in sin? What do you do? Stick your head in the sand and nothing? No! What is the church supposed to do? There's a high calling to be in leadership. The stakes are high. And so Paul is saying, here's the way you respond to that. As for those, who, verse 20, who persist in sin, rebuke them in the presence of all, so that the rest may stand in fear. What's he saying here? We, need to, the, we have to deal with sin. Jesus dealt with it. And so we in the household of God need to deal with it. Not every single sin. We're talking here about there's, you know, a, a pattern of sin. How are we resolving it? How are we addressing it? How are we looking at it? No one is perfect. But are you willing to deal with uh, sin in your life? And there's a right, right way to do it. And so uh, he continues on. I think uh, there's more things in here that he's saying, but uh, verse, you know, 6, 1, and 2 um, he, you know, he's, he's talking to those who are older. He's talking to widows. He's talking to uh, elders. And now he's going to talk, and what you saw in the first century is people were coming to know Christ, and all of a sudden you have this unusual slave and master relationship, and now all of a sudden these individuals get saved, and they're sitting in church together. Christ was changing people's lives, and so he's given instruction here for you as a slave or as an employee, how do you relate to your master? And the words that he's given here, you know, are basically he's only saying something here to the servant, to the slave. He's not talking to, there's other passages that he, he addresses both of them. So verse 2, those who have believing masters must not be disrespectful on the ground that they are brothers. Rather, they must serve all the better since those who benefit by their good service are believers and beloved. And so what is he saying here? He's saying that your relationship out there matters as well as in here. 
and treat them with respect and honor. Because of Christ. When you come to know Christ, He changes everything. He changes everything. He changes our relationship. And He's encouraging that here. He goes on and He talks here about, again, He's coming back to uh, relationship with false teachers and, and those that are uh, those that are, are greedy. Um, look down in verse 6. But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of this world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. So he's talking here, um, actually I, I missed the verse, but part of what he's talking about here is the the individual who is using religion to profit off of. They have bad motives. They're focused on themselves. And he's saying, how do you deal with those individuals? What does that look like? Um, he, He shares the verse that I think a lot of us know, that verse 10, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierce themselves with many pangs. You cannot serve Jesus Christ and money. You can't. It's impossible. You can only have one master in your life. He's not saying it's wrong to have money. The Bible is full of all kinds of rich people. What he's saying is wrong is to love that's what he says. Wrong. And so he ends here with another area of relationship. He's talking to, to Timothy specifically as uh, the elder um, in this, as the pastor in this church. And uh, he's encouraging him, saying, hey, don't give up. Don't give in to what you might feel like catering to. He's encouraging him as a, as a young man. Keep, keep walking in the faith. Keep pursuing Christ. I know that it's hard. It's in Paul's life. Paul understood the cost of following Christ, didn't he? He understood to follow Christ, pain will be involved. Will be involved. There's no way to sugarcoat that. <clears throat> but the hope that we have is in, in Christ and what who he is. So these last words, let me uh, just end by verse 20 and 21. O Timothy, guard the deposit entrusted to you. Avoid the irreverent babble and contradictions of what is called knowledge. For by professing it, some have swerved from from the faith. Grace be with you. So is last words that he's saying is, watch out. There is influence that are going to try to get your attention off of Christ and off of the scriptures and follow things that are, ooh, look at this new knowledge. Don't buy into it. The deposit, the person you need to focus on is Christ. Who he is. What he has done. So as we look at uh, uh, next week, um, you know, we're finishing this uh, series today. 
Uh, next Sunday is going to be a little bit of a unique Sunday. We've been in this series about the household of God. And, uh, and so I want to get, give you a heads up. Next Sunday is going to be more about, uh, about participation. And uh, we're going to have a little bit more extended worship time um, together. And, uh, and so uh, as well as we're going to have um, the word part isn't going to be coming through a sermon per se. Um, but the word part of the morning is going to come from, from you. How has God been speaking to you? What verse has he been speaking to you in in the last week, two weeks, three weeks? And we'll give you the opportunity to read a scripture verse that God has been using and then say a sentence or two, not, not a long, you know, it's not going to be ten, ten preachers. Um, but what we want to do is listen to what the, the Spirit of God has been saying to the household of God that we'd be willing to communicate that. And so be prayerfully thinking about that this week. Where is God? You know, we're, we're not trying to make something up. We just want to simply share what God's been impressing on us, what he's been saying through his word. And so the last part is the area of prayer. And, um, and so we have these prayer lanyards, and one of the things we want to do is spend some time uh, praying. And so um, we want you to, if, if you are comfortable praying. We want you, next week when you come in, um, grab one of the lanyards, and that will be a part of the morning as well. And, um, and so we won't make anybody do anything. We just simply want to provide an environment. And so it could be the longest service we've ever had, if you talk a lot. It could be the shortest service we ever had. We'll see. Okay? And so, uh, and, and the idea behind this is we need to be the household and let God speak in the household, whatever that looks like. And so then the following Sunday after that, September the 10th, is when we will be beginning the Experiencing God. We'll be doing uh, sermons on that um, every uh, Sunday morning. And um, at the same time, you know, we have the workbooks. If that's something that, hey, you're willing to, uh, to do the, the study. Um, and uh, if that's too overwhelming for you, what I would encourage you, you can still be part of a life group and still hear about what God's doing in people's lives. Um, and uh, as well as the other part of that um, is uh, as I'm listening, you know, some of you aren't at the place that, you know, that book is, is daunting to you. And so one of the things that I think um, I'm going to try to provide is um, a smaller study, you know, just a page with some scripture verses, a couple questions that you can track along uh, where we're going um, and that might be a, a step of faith for you. And so that's kind of what we want to ask, is that you would be willing uh, to take a, a, a step beyond where you normally are today, that you would be stretched, that you would be willing to say, you know what, God, I, I want to I grow deeper with you. And uh, we're not going to grow deeper if we just stay doing what we're doing. We need to take a, take, take a step um, in the process. And so this uh, series on experiencing God, we're basically going to be um, up through, uh, up until Thanksgiving. So it'll be all the fall. And um, so I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. And uh, we're going to close out um, one last song. Uh, let me pray. Father, we thank you uh, so much for what you're doing, for your hand. Uh, God, I pray that you would help us to... Um, 
continue to be giving you our attention. We would be listening to your voice. God, that you would grow us as a body. That we would rightly relate with one another. That we would keep short accounts, God. That we would, that we would listen to what you say so that we could reflect you, God, here in this community. And so, Lord, help us, I pray, with that. And in your name, amen.